Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And in today's Republican newspaper, the editorial page says this. Top educator to Holyoke, colon, we'll see. Holyoke's <laughs> mayor said the answer should have been yes when his city petitioned the State Department of Secondary and Elementary Education, DESE, to regain control of its schools. Jeffrey Riley, the state commissioner of education, did not even say no to that question two weeks ago. Riley instead issued a letter saying the state was not ready to make a decision about Holyoke exiting state receivership and retaking control of its schools. Later on, the editorial says this. Joshua Garcia, Holyoke's mayor, rightly fired back at Riley and the State Board of Ed, saying those parties, quote, have no idea what they're doing or what they want to do with the receivership situation, end quote. Going on later in the editorial, no wonder Garcia and members of the Holyoke School Committee feel the city is stuck in a system with no way out. It does really remind one of Sartre's no exit. The conclusion of the editorial, it is time for Riley and the state-appointed receiver, Superintendent Lawrence, uh, and as well in Southbridge as well, those are the three cities that are under receivership, to at least show there is a plan for how a city might leave receivership. He, meaning Riley, head of the Department of Ed, owes the city measurable benchmarks, not another dismissive we'll see letter. Here with us to discuss this matter and others is the state representative from the 5th Hamden District, Patricia Duffy. Pat Duffy represents the uh, city of Holyoke and uh, Ward 3, part of Ward 3 in Chicopee as well. That is the 5th Hamden District, traditionally known as the Holyoke District. Representative Duffy, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you represent Holyoke in the state legislature. Nine years, nine years, the Holyoke school system has been in receivership, and there's not even a plan for how to get out. How do we get? How does Holyoke get? How does the State Department of Ed get to this situation? And what is the way out? Representative? Well, uh, you know, I wish it's, I wish the commissioner had told us what his plan was for how we're going to get out. Um, that being said, I, I know that uh, I fully back the mayor and the school committee. I back them in their call to end receivership. I back them now in uh, their frustration with the lack of a, a real clear response. So that all being said, the school committee met uh, uh two days after um, receiving the letter from Riley, and they had a really productive meeting about how they're planning on moving forward. You know, <clears throat> it sounds all very bureaucratic, but it is the f first steps that you need to take in a situation like this, you know, setting up like subcommittees that will have direct um, action plans. And I intend to be involved wherever I can be helpful. Uh, so, honestly, I think the answer is to just, it's frustrating, but we have to keep pushing forward uh, and demanding, give us a plan, give us steps. You know, we don't, it's, we're not asking for receivership to end tomorrow. We're asking for the path and the measurable pathways out. Um, so, you know, I was in close touch with the mayor uh, through all of this and 
I support him and the school committee 100%. And I will say also the receiver slash superintendent, Anthony Soto, also supports them. I mean, he wrote a letter saying that he agreed that it was it was time for the pathway out. Representative Duffy, the idea of receivership is the state comes in, it creates new systems, it helps with outcomes and improvement, it reduces the dropout rate, it increases the MCAS scores, it has other measurable uh, effects that make the school system better, and then it hands the school system back right. to this lo- locality with better systems in place. The question is, how do we know if this receivership has been ses- successful? Are there better outcomes? Are there new systems in place? And what does the school system have to do to prove that it's ready to take over the new and improved systems, hopefully, that the receiver, the superintendent, the new superintendent, the state superintendent and receiver has implemented? Well, I think that's exactly the core of the question. You know, uh, state receivership was created, I think, like 2010, um, well before my time in the legislature. Uh, And, you know, here are your three experiments, Lawrence, Southbridge, and Holyoke, and there has not yet been a demonstration of the pathway out. Um, I think that the mayor and the school committee would agree that there have been administrative improvements uh, set in place, um, uh, you know, better systems communicating with the community and, and um, servicing families, but not, but the, there haven't been huge academic improvements. Now that's a statewide, uh, you know, that's a statewide phenomena, especially with the pandemic. Um, how do you tease all that out? I'm not the expert to say, but there's got to be demonstrated steps and a pathway out. Represent- and one other thing, I'll, yes. I, I'm gonna. I want to add one other thing since we're talking about Holyoke, Lawrence, and Southbridge. What else do those three communities have in common? They're all three are majority Latino. Um, just saying. Just saying. Yeah, I, I I would like to have your perspective on this. One effect that receivership had when it was announced was a large number of educators left the system. There was so much uncertainty about what would happen and how the state would administrate that a lot of teachers and uh, paras uh, uh, left the system. And uh, I understand that Holyoke is not uh, suffering from lack of funding per se, but Holyoke is, is suffering from lack of ability to hire educators. Is that right? That is correct. That is correct. If you look at um, the, uh, the Holyoke, and Holyoke teachers are fantastic people. It's a, you know, um, it's a tight-knit community, but we have definite challenges, high rates of poverty, and, the, you know, the trauma that goes along with poverty. Um, so the teachers are all fantastic, but if you uh, compare our teacher population across communities, uh, we have a much, uh, I guess, a much larger percentage of teachers who have like three to five years experience and not more than that. Um, so, you know, that's telling you something. Uh, if you, there's workforce shortages in uh, education all across the state. If you, if a teacher now has their 
choice of where to go. Are you going to go somewhere where there's local control or are you going to go somewhere where there's state receivership? Uh, you know, it's a it's a logical choice. It is a logical choice. This is Buzz, representative. Yeah. Um, my my question is, and I asked this of the mayor yesterday. He didn't really answer. Maybe politically he's a lot smarter than I am. But <laughs> I have a real problem with the law, the statute, which you do have some control of uh, as legislators, which is the statute that creates receiverships vests in Jeffrey Riley, the current education uh, commissioner, uh, the power to make this decision on his own, whether whether the state assessments or the district review reports or the other measures like graduation and dropout rates amount to a sufficient grounds to take away the democratic process and place it in receivership in a particular community. And there was a Globe article that said that uh, the three uh, communities you and Bill were just talking about, none of them really turned around in a very substantial way under receivership. It wasn't things weren't fixed that easily because of, I think, the reasons you were just articulating. So my question is, as a legislator, should we be re-looking at the statute and trying to decide a better way to determine whether or not local control should be wrested away from local authority? Well, the, sim- the simple, quick answer is yes, of course. And you're right. That does lie with the state legislature. The longer, more complicated answer is Number one, we are doing that right now. There's a, um, a bill, it's known as the Thrive Act, um, and it both, uh, a, you know, asks for serious modifications to uh, receivership and also takes away the MCAS as a high-stakes graduation um, requirement, but two measures that I support, and I testified in favor of the bill uh, at its public hearing, and that, and that bill is still in play. Um, you know, so then you have your very le- um, complicated legislative process where 200 of us have to uh, negotiate out what we want that to look like. Um, I can't say what's going to happen to that legislation this session. Uh, if it, if, if we're not, if I and my colleagues who agree with me aren't happy with the, you know, the the final outcome on the Thrive Act this session, but we're going to have to dive back in there. Um, you know, the legislative process is a long one, um, perhaps necessarily, because you have to build consensus and get everybody behind you, uh, but that kind of change can be really frustrating. Representative so, Duffy, yeah. let, me, let me ask you this. The receivership, the idea behind receivership, there's an analogy kind of to bankruptcy where all the parties end up uh, in, a, in a situation that gets sorted out, the debts are undone, and there is a new brighter day for the entity that emerges. I mean, that is kind of the theory, and I think that is the analogy. But there's no benchmark. There are no benchmarks that say right. when 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 has the receivership been successful, and uh, what it tends to show to me is that the Holyoke School Committee was doing about as well as it could do because the state, after nine years, hasn't done any better. So why is the state running the place? Uh, you'd have to ask Jeff Riley that. <laughs> <laughs> 
because we asked to not be, we asked to not have the state be running the uh, place anymore. Um, I'll say again, uh, it's going to take, you know, it'll take a, a very thoughtful look. I'm not going to say there are no improvements. Right there, 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 there have been there have been some, but they're yeah, not they're not yeah. marked. But I, I but but the uh, the argument that the school committee and the mayor and the superintendent have made is you know that which you can do you have done, and it is time for us to take back uh, control. And and you know where there have not been improvements is in a lot of the academic measures. So it is time for the local school committee and which includes the mayor as chair i also to, be, to take control I, I also just want to point out representative duffy there was a in 2022 there was a move to put the boston public schools under re- receivership for many of the exact same reasons that we're talking about particularly in lawrence and holyoke <laughs> um but uh they the public went crazy the letters to the editor went crazy. The Boston Globe wrote an editorial saying that there, it was the wrong thing to do, and it used the ineffectiveness of the receivership in the three communities yeah. you've mentioned as evidence that they shouldn't do it in Boston. And guess what? They didn't do it in Boston. So, yeah, um, yeah. I really think it shouldn't be one person's decision. I think there should be a collaborative. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. And um, the other mistake that that was made is perhaps it shouldn't be just one person's decision. Although I'm going to, you know, grant the commissioner, I don't think he's like sitting in an office by himself coming up with this. So I, you know, I do think he's, you know, I'm going to, he's, he's a good person who cares about educating young people in tough districts. And that's his history and his experience. I do think that he's, you know, thinks, feels that he's doing what is best. going to grant him that. Um, but we shouldn't be allow school districts to go into receivership without an exit plan in place. You know, like we will, you have to check back in three years. Has this happened? Has that happened? We are speaking with state representative, Pat Duffy, Patricia Duffy is the representative for the fifth Hammond district, which is Holyoke and a bit of ward three in Chicopee as well. When we come back, my question is, we just had the bewitching hour. It was joint rule 10 day. And what happened? Or, or more specifically, what didn't? And what will the legislature do now? Because the time clock is running. We'll be right back. You're listening to Talk the Talk with... You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. WHMP. We continue our conversation with State Representative Patricia Duffy. Pat Duffy is the representative for the 5th Hamden District, which is Holyoke and a bit of Chicopee. Representative, we have spoken with many of your colleagues uh, and you before about this enormous event, allegedly. Joint Rule 10 Day. Joint Rule 10. It's a joint rule of the House and Senate, and it's Rule Number 10. And it's a date in early February where committees which have heard had hit, that says they've had hearings on bills within their jurisdiction report out. They either kill the bill or they advance the bill to oversimplify just a bit. And Joint Rule 10 Day came recently. Joint Rule 10 Day is coming. The Joint Rule 10 Day is coming. And then it came and it passed and not that much happened really. So tell us what yes. was supposed to happen, what did happen, and then let's get to the nub of the matter, which are what are the most important matters in front of the legislature now as we go right. in, go into the home stretch. 
Well, there is. I mean, you know, we all remember being in high school and saying to our teacher, please, I, I'll, it will be the perfect report if you just give me one more weekend. And there was a little bit of that, that uh, um, uh, many joint committees in their wisdom uh, asked for extensions on bills that they're still considering. So, so we still got some stuff out there. Um, but uh, there were some favorable reports on stuff that I'm really excited about, uh, one of which, this is a controversial measure, but I've supported this for years, um, the authorization of overdose prevention centers, or what they're sometimes called uh, safe consumption sites. You know, more and more medical professionals are saying, this is the way to go, that um, we have folks who... Um, it's it's a harm reduction uh, 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 tactic for dealing with folks uh, who have addictions. You meet them where they're at. They are using. Let's let's keep them safe while they're using and and um, get them wrapped up in some in services, etc. You know, um, to you know to help them battle their addiction instead of like sending them off on their own. So, so, so this, this bill is still alive and pending in the legislature? It, it, uh, it, it's, it's received a favorable report. It has moved on to ways and means where I am definitely going to advocate for it. It's controversial, I'm, you know, but this was a huge step. Um, so this is definitely a, uh, still alive. Um, another favorite of mine uh, that I filed with Representative Sean Garbley and Senator Joe Comerford, the Cherish Act, uh, hoping to revise uh, funding and support for our public higher ed education. And that got a short extension, um, extended to March 1st. And I'm crossing my fingers that that's a very good sign that we're in the middle of good conversations with the committee and they just needed a little bit more time, you know, as opposed to just, uh, you know, sending it out there. Um, so, the, the, uh, so, so, so that is definitely not a kick the can down the road when it's a short extension. Uh, a lot of, yeah, a exactly. lot of the extensions were till April. There is a date in April, which is kind of like the, uh, new magic joint rule 10. It's a joint rule of the House and Senate. <laughs> I, I, yeah, lot, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so joint rule, a joint rule of the House and the Senate rule number 10 having to do with timing of reporting on bills. I, I would like to ask you this since you particularly highlight the overdose prevention and safety bill, which yeah. is advancing yeah. in, in the legislature. And it brings to my mind this article mm-hmm. in the Boston Globe, this expose a yep. week ago Sunday about the funds from the uh, drug settlement cases not having been used in uh, municipalities across the Commonwealth. And what I would like to know is whether or not you see in your district that this money is being planned for and will be well spent and that there, in fact, is an enough in the way of funding for these safe, uh, safe sites and prevention measures. Well, one thing about this money um, that's, you know, that comes from the settlements is that, you know, it's like $100,000, but it's $100,000 for decades um, every year. So I I feel good about uh, the disbursement of the funds. 
I know that the folks in Holyoke, I, I mean, we have a lot, we have unfortunately a lot of experience with uh, this population, um, a lot of resources, uh, um, a lot of great agencies that really get in there and, um, and work really hard with this population. So I'm, I'm, I know that there is important planning going on. Um, I haven't been directly involved, uh, but I have great confidence. Do you? I mean, really? I mean, we are. In yes, the- I do. <laughs> yes, that that Holyoke is going to spend that money uh, wisely. Absolutely, absolutely. We have a fantastic board of public health, um, and like I said, we've got, you know we've got great relationships with agencies like Tapestry um, and other folks who are really in there working well with this population. Yeah, I, I must say, I was really, really appalled. That was my first reaction when I read the Globe story, saying, yeah. wait a second, there's a fentanyl and heroin crisis, and cities are sitting on the money and not spending it? It's as an emergency. Why are they sitting on the money? Let, I mean, let me I, just I, amplify I, I, that. People are dying and overdosing. Yeah. I, on the other hand, yeah. I have been somewhat persuaded since then, based on what you just point out, pointed out, Representative Duffy, which is that this is going to be ongoing funding for Right. more than a decade, and there really does need to be a plan in place on how to combat this fentanyl and heroin crisis. So yep. uh, is there more for the legislature to do on this, or this is now in the hands of the municipalities? That's a good question. I mean, we have to keep, we have to keep tabs on what municipalities are doing, yeah. It's a, you know, right now I would say uh, local folks should be doing the planning, but yeah, you know, a year from now, this is if this is still the state of affairs, maybe we should get involved. That's a good point. So let me just peel back the curtain a little bit so the, the rest of us can see. In a situation like this where perhaps there could be a little bit of money being spent to reliable agencies that have been doing harm reduction work heretofore, um, do, do you get consulted or should you get consulted or should you ask local people that you have good relationships with hey, why don't we spend some of this money now and make a longer plan as we go along? Isn't that something you could I, be involved in? Yeah. Oh, I can speak for myself. I meet with these agencies all the time. As a matter of fact, I was supposed to meet with Tapestry today, and um, we uh, we postponed it because we thought it was going to be snowing more than it is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I need to be meeting with these agencies all the time so they can educate me about where their funding goes, where there are shortfalls, you know, that's how you learn like what policies will really work. We have been speaking with Representative Patricia Duffy, the representative for the 5th Hamden District, which is Holyoke, and part of Ward 3 in Chicopee as well. Representative Duffy was previously the chief administrative aide for Aaron Vega, who represented the Holyoke, then then the Holyoke District for many years. She has been a regular uh, uh, guest on our show, and we really appreciate your insights and leadership and hearing from you today. Thank you, Representative. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. I love talking with you all. We'll be right this back. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.